Details just ahead. Do you love credible content, but, but, but hate how long you have to wait? And who wants super thick and frothy dumpster juice with rat corpses in it? There's a better way. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly. Fly. Fly Fidelity. Fidelity. Fly Fidelity Podcast. Fly Fidelity, baby. Fidelity, baby. Fidelity. With your host, Blue Bailey. What you doing? This is Slug from Atmosphere, about to check out my man Luke Bailey on the Fly Fidelity podcast. We go way back, like the big payback, like 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 Vanna White and Pat Sajak, all the way back to Conspiracy Worldwide Radio. What you doing? Fly Fidelity, credible content for incredible times. Welcome to episode 22 with special guest Slug from Atmosphere. On this program, we discuss the latest Atmosphere album, The Night Before Halloween, a dystopian story based in the 80s about the life of a graffiti artist living in a surveillance state. We also discuss what the future looks like for Torin, his relationship with UK hip-hop, the 20th anniversary of Lucy Ford, and so much more on this episode. Well, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to talk to us. It's been a long time coming. How are you maintaining right now? Well, you know, weed and coffee, just like everybody. Um, maintaining, though, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I have a, a lot of children, and so I'm doing the distance learning thing with the kids. Uh, my wife continues to work, and since I'm not really allowed to go on tour or, or do any of the socializing that my job tends to consist of. I've pretty much dedicated myself to just kind of being the full-time dad. Um, and I love it. It's, uh, I, I'm not sure that I want to go back to work. You feel me? Like I, I you know, I've made, I've been making music and, and, and writing songs in the interim, but, but without the traveling, it's like, you know, I'm on a different schedule now. I'm waking up at six 30 in the morning and, and, and going to bed by 10, you know, I'm on the kid's schedule. And unfortunately I'm also eating the food the kids eat. So it's like all rice and, you know, chicken chunks and shit like that. But, but, uh, but I'm, I'm doing my best trying to stay healthy, you know, trying to, trying to continue with the cardio and working out, getting old, bro, you know, got to, Got to stay conscious of what you're doing to your body. Well, speaking of what you're doing, you occupied a pretty prolific and profound year last year between two releases, including the fourth project from Felt and, of course, the 11th full-length project from Atmosphere. How do you think last year forged you to adopt a new focus and reassess your relationship with your audience and making music? Well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I've done that heavy lifting yet. I'm still kind of like, I, you know, I, I've, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm, for full transparency, I have never really known what I'm doing. 
uh, I just kind of take it one day at a time. And I've been doing that for 25 years. You, you, you know, you, you come to a fork or you come to a, a decision and you, you, you make your decision based on your instinct, sometimes a little bit based on your logic, sometimes based on some emotion. And you just kind of hope for the best with the, with the way that rolls, you know. And so with this last year uh, and not being able to be on a stage or out, you know, rubbing elbows with people and meeting people, I've tried to just find other ways to fill those voids. Uh, and, right. and so I, I filled them with... Um, you know, making music, but I also, you know, filled him with teaching my son how to read and, you know, teaching him the basics of math. Uh, and I've also filled it with, you know, having more conversations with myself than maybe I have allowed myself to have over the last 20 years. But as far as connecting with an audience this last year, I I've done less of that than I have in a long time. You know, I've, taken a step back from most of my social medias i've uh i've i you know i haven't been anywhere where people are like hey slug you know what i'm saying i haven't gone yeah i haven't been recognized by a stranger in, in 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 a long time and it's crazy because this experience i think was necessary for me to just kind of like maybe uh uh what, what do you call it when you recalibrate re- recalibrate certain parts of myself you know to yeah just to just get a grasp on what it is I want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I know, I know what I'd like to do. I would, I would like to figure out a way to articulate, uh, everything that I've thought about and felt over the last year and and, and make that shit rhyme. I want to take it back to what you said about it coming down to instinct just earlier. Now you're an artist who's traditionally known for adapting every two to well, every two to three years to what's been thrown at you. And when you're locked in and focused, and nothing compares to that sharpness of your senses in a space between endings and new beginnings. Can you speak to growing as a human as well as an artist in such a transformational time? You know, growing as a human, I I would love to be able to speak on it. Like I know what I'm speaking about and I don't know what I'm speaking about. So I'm going to speak as a, as a novice, as a amateur when it comes to that. But for me, it's just been about really trying to figure out how to, uh, put words to my feelings. You know, um, oftentimes we, I mean, me, me for example, I, I think that I spent much of my life not really, allowing myself to feel everything you know and i don't think i'm alone in that i think a lot of us are like that whatever sort of traumas or experiences you may have had as a child or a young adult you know they shape you and they inform you as to how you want to maneuver and i i in my formation um i didn't i i didn't allow myself to have full access to all of my emotions you feel me i i I was very uh i i i've always been a very cautious person cautious about what i say or whatever it's like i go if i'm gonna go there chances are i'm going to frustration or anger uh before i actually go towards a place that's like fragile or, or or gentle you know what i'm saying it's like 
and I'm not sure why, uh, you know, I, I, I guarantee you a, a therapist could probably break it down for me. And, and that's, that's probably in my future. You know what I'm saying? Because I do think that this year is, is, is allowed me to sit with myself enough to make me realize that it's time for me to like find a professional listener to listen to me work through my shit. I've been working through my shit via my songs and my, and my audience for so long that even that has created a comfort zone for me to be able to go and deal with particular emotions, but not the full range. You know what I'm saying? And I think, again, my amateur opinion says that, uh, to grow as a human, I need to have a little bit more range. It's almost as if like I have this body that I'm in and I can move my arms up and down and I can move my legs forward and back, but there's a whole range of motion that i'm not allowing my body to to have and therefore it's kind of holding me back athletically or artistically or you know academically you know what i mean yeah yeah i'll be honest with you i love this new album but it has taken me a while to try to grasp the narrative for this album versus your previous albums which for the past few years in my opinion have been a bit more clear and established i I could be completely off but this project feels like it's you outsmarting the things that last killed you inside am i would i be mistaken (laughs) i don't know you know what i'm saying (laughs) like i like the way you word that though i'm not sure uh, I, I would not tell you you're mistaken because like, I feel like anybody and everybody who takes the time to listen, th- then I respect their interpretation because it, it, oftentimes I stand far too close to this, to, to my work, to even have, uh, an, uh, 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 uh I guess a a full perspective Mm. of what my, of what my work actually looks like. You know what I mean? My relationship with my work is, uh, is very, um, I'm by myself. You feel me? When Mm. I, when I make this music, it's just me. And then I show it to Ant and then, you know, me and him work together. And then the next step is to show it to the label and their agenda is different than mine you know what i'm saying and then the next step after that is to give it to an audience and their agenda is so different from mine that i don't really ever get an opportunity aside from anthony to share this music with anybody else that has an agenda that is as similar to mine because mine is mine you, you know and so with that said i stand far too close to it to actually really be able to assess it you know and i know that so with what you're saying though um I feel like you're probably not wrong, but with that said, as the listener, I mean, you're kind of my therapist, you feel me? And so anything, anything that you tell me, I have to kind of like, I have to at least think about it and, and, and I have to, you know, give it, give it the credit that it deserves as the listener. That's interesting. And speaking of listeners, for anybody listening who doesn't know what album we're talking about, of course, we're talking about The Night Before Halloween. Can you take me through the inspiration for making this project, which feels like a project that treads a line between seeing people versus being seen by people? Mm. I um, Well, listen, when, when uh, the, explaining this project requires me to explain a few things and that come before it and so i'll say this uh as we were finishing up an album called me vita local uh somebody reached out to us and asked us if we would make a a score a soundtrack and a score to a television series right and we were like hell yeah you know um we were into it uh they 
they gave us a little bit of insight as to what the show was, you know, and and so we just went to work and started making music that we felt would not explain the show but could accompany the show. And the songs, you know, they asked for a certain amount of songs and then they also asked for some kind of like underscore score to play, you know, with no lyrics but just like music to put underneath scenes and things of that nature. And so we got to work and um it ended up falling through, not artistically. Artistically, we completed the project and they were super into it, but it fell apart because of lawyers and 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 just um, you know, suits. And we had an amicable split. You know, we were cool. I'm still cool with them. And but but we ended up with this music left uh, that was not going to go to the TV show. So we decided to put the album out of the songs and that album was called whenever uh when we turned it into the label we were like hey these are the songs that were supposed to be for that tv show and they're like oh you want to put it out as an album we we're like well yeah i mean i don't want to sit on it so put it out because it was a little soon like we put that record out like the album we put the album out about a year after me vita local and we're usually not a every year kind of band we usually yeah. put out an album every two years you know so they're like well when do you want to release it and i was like oh whenever and they're like, okay, thanks. And they're like, what do you want to call it? And I was like, you might as well call it whenever. Um, and that was the joke of that album. And <laughs> I love that. I I ended up loving the album. I was not expecting it to be an album. You feel me? It was just supposed to be a, a, a soundtrack. But there was these other musical pieces that Anthony had created. Uh, they were all very synth-driven. Um, basically, like his version of like what John Carpenter does with his movies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like just and. We're like, what do we what do we do with these? And you know, Anthony had them sequenced as little instrumental bumpers, um, and some of them were longer than others. And I was like, well, just give them to me. And so I took them, and I kept them on my laptop. And we started to tour. And while we were on tour, I just started messing with these pieces. And and instead of resequencing them to create full songs, I just wrote to each piece exactly how it was, and. That's what this ended up being. If I could commit to you, I won't. Something tell me that I probably don't. If I could commit to you, the day before halloween are essentially me writing to all of these john carpenter inspired pieces that anthony had made as instrumental bumpers for this tv show you know um and we ended up loving it. We had so much fun putting it together. Like once, once the ball got rolling, then Ant, of course, started having more ideas. Okay, I'm gonna add a little bit of this, or I started having ideas about like you know different types of. Um, there's more bells and whistles on this album than most of our albums. I play with the effects more than than I usually do, and there's just more delays and and, and more reverb and just vocal effects and 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 uh, uh distortion and all that kind of stuff and we we ended up hearing i guess a, a version of what 
we originally started making with that score. Like it just came to life with lyrics and turned into something that just became even heavier than it was when it was just the score. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, we decided we wanted to put that out too. And that's another one that came out within a year. And it just really was, it wasn't like, Oh, Hey, we're going to start dropping albums every year. It was more like, Hey, we got music, man. And let's just put it out. Obviously at the time, you know, we had no idea that COVID was about to happen. And so we just kind of, I guess, uh, it just came together that COVID happened at the same time that we had a ton of music piled up. So in a way, I kind of felt like, well, this is cool that we're able to, because people are locked up and they need stuff to do. And so they're all streaming movies and they're listening to music and they're just hanging out with their, their, their super close family or friends. And so it seemed like uh, in a weird way, it was the right time for us to continue just dropping music. And so between that record and the felt record and uh, some of the other little, I, I did about, man, I did so many guest spots that, that all started kind of trickling out here and there. And we got a whole nother album completed. Oh, wow. Um, and so it just felt like the universe was, I, you know, I don't want to say it like that cause it's not that deep, but it, it just felt like timing was, was very interesting for us. You know what I'm saying? Because, because without COVID, it probably would have taken us longer to get the ball rolling on these things it probably also would have uh you know we would have wanted to tour them like i should have been on tour for whenever for like another you know five months we had another tour fully lined up you know and then we had a tour lined up for the release of the felt record and those all got canceled and so we just started putting the music out and then then the halloween album came out you know because i never even completed the whenever tour so by the time i get to go back on tour again it's not even like I'm touring a project anymore, which to me is kind of beautiful because I kind of, I'm over the whole, you put out an album and then you tour that album. You feel me? Like half, half of the, half the time I feel like these people don't even want to hear our new music when we show up. They want to hear us perform like the, the catalog. And You're so almost a I, legacy artist in a way. I mean, I feel like we maybe did cross that line. You know, I see it at the shows, man. When when we're at the shows, you know, I'll play a brand new song that I think is great. And people are, they, they're into it because they're being polite. <laughs> you feel me? But, <laughs> right. but, but they're waiting for sunshine or they're waiting for yesterday or they're waiting for the woman with the tattooed hands. And right. I get it. I'm not, by no means would I complain about that. It's a blessing that we even have those tracks to give you. You know what I mean? And so, uh, I now, now that, the world did this. When I go back to touring, I'm no longer going to look at touring as a way to support an album. If anything, I think I'll release albums just to give me an excuse to tour. You feel me? Or I will tour regardless and I'll release music because I love to make music, but not because I'm going to make this music so that I can go out and tour it and try to sell this music to you. Right. I, I don't know that that's my thing, you know, and I feel like the, the, the universe has been telling me that for a long time, but I was just so caught in the system and cycle that the industry created, you know, and even me as an indie act in this industry, you still become part of that system and cycle because that's just how it works. Even the venues that book you want to book you when you're promoting a new album, you feel me? But now I feel like after COVID, I don't think I'm going to approach it like that anymore. I'm going to now book a tour based on where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Where do I want to go record shopping? You feel me? And then focus on that. I'll make albums on the side. I'll tour over here. It'll be like having two different jobs. They no longer have to be 
all part of the same job or all part of the same, you know, uh, moving effort of the machine. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm, I'm going to not, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel, but I'm just going to change my machine a little bit and make it a little bit more comfortable for myself. And I feel like, well, of course I'm getting old. So I might as well be thinking like that. I might as well be paying attention to how to make this work better and healthier for us, as opposed to how to make it work better and healthier for the machine. We're talking about a transformational time, a transitional time for yourself in this record. This new record is none less than that. It's such a huge departure from the sound people have come to expect from you, which is largely part to Ant's production that you're able to peel these layers of yourself back over. There's an air and a space in these beats, and I was wondering how much of a slow rebirth this album was for you in finding its narrative and defining that narrative. I felt like when I was approaching these songs, I was given the opportunity to um, explore the way I use my voice for emotion and then the way I use that emotion to address the narrative. So in a way, as Ant was creating these pieces that he had visuals for, you know, because all of it was like a movie to him. When he first started making this, we had never seen the TV show, but he thought he was making it to a company visuals and so i approached it with the same mindset i approached it and i visualized the scenario the room that this took place in or because none of this is a true story uh whereas a lot of prior atmosphere music was kind of like based on my own personal narrative where these are things that actually happened to me or the names have been changed to protect the innocent at the least you know but this i was able to write this like it was a TV show, which I felt like stayed true to the original agenda of the, the music to begin with, you know? And I created this show in my head of um, this, this, this dude. Uh, I, I, I don't know how old or young he was, but somewhere between 25 and 35 years old, who um, was at odds with his surroundings because he was... Uh, experiencing anxiety due to technology first and foremost as well as the surveillance state as well as uh, the concept of the revolution which needs to come you know state violence um you know all of these things but i based it in the 80s because to me the music felt like the 80s i felt like the music anthony was giving me reminded me of escape from new york the movie or reminded me of the movie 1984 the book if you will you know so i really tried to envision this like kind of like a on the verge of the apocalypse in the 80s like a movie that was made in the 70s when the 70s was trying to see what they thought the 80s was going to look like if you will the thing was as i was writing it all it was all relevant to today so as I'm writing about the surveillance state and about state violence and about uh, the anxiety of this graffiti writer, which is, which is what I envisioned him to be, um, and the parties that he was going to and the drugs and the situationships that he was in, it was like, well, I'm writing about this taking place in the mid 80s, but really this could be today, you know? And so I had to like be careful not to accidentally make it about today, but oddly, you know, 
when it was all said and done and finished, I don't know if a listener would realize that this took place in the eighties, but in my head, you know, this took place, uh, half of this album takes place uh, in an apartment building that's above an arcade full of video games. You know what I'm saying? Like those don't even exist anymore, but that's where the set, that's where the setting was to me. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a party upstairs from pops arcade and there were people dropping acid in the bathroom and there was people, you know, uh, to me, my head had all that and that's what i got to write about that's where i got to draw from and get inspiration from at the end of the day it doesn't matter because once you put it out it belongs to the listener and they get to make this they get to make it about whatever they want to make it about you know what i mean but i know that for what i was doing this was as good as i could do and i was man, i was pretty uh in order when i say as good as i could do that's a weird way to put it but this i i I wrote this this tv show this movie my cinematic movie here this was like i was very happy with it so much so that when we were complete we decided we wanted to make a movie to go along with it but we didn't want to make the the movie the same as this you know what i'm saying i wanted to find another artist who could hear the music and create his own vision because i have spent the last 20 years being a control freak and i've been trying to break that especially now you know this last year has showed me that like me being a control freak possibly has been holding me back you know earlier in my career i think it was one of my strengths but now i think it's one of my weaknesses and so i've been trying to learn how to be more collaborative with people and and um not make my vision the vision but just make it a piece of the vision so when we got together with jason Goldwatch to make this project you know really complete he heard it and was just like yo i'm in he was like i haven't liked your shit since god loves ugly this is the first time i've liked your shit since like 2002 let's go i was like <laughs> hey, dude let's do it like and it was great man he started sending me stuff and i was like what the hell are you doing bro yeah, yeah. like this is insane and 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 bro like it, it couldn't uh, it, it just it couldn't have been any more special. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole situation was special working with Jason via zoom and the phone because we couldn't hang out together, not just because of COVID, but also because he lived in Los Angeles and I live in Minneapolis and you know, it just wasn't going to happen. And so we were just sending ideas back and forth to each other and and, and piecing it together. And man, it, it was just a great time, man. I had, I had the time of my life putting this together. You can wrap your lips around my microphone Spread your wings and fly me home Find my partner and depart the party I probably had to love you the hard way Maybe we was drunk out back with the dumpster breath She know how to treat me like something special Flunked the class but she passed the test She got a portrait tattoo, funk master flex Girl I'll take you to Egypt For no reason other than skeezing In hotels and regions that look over scenery Pieces of history mixing my semen you frame this album in such a way that it lands without explicitly revealing any outcome. It's very much cryptic in a way. Some of these tracks, some of these stories you're telling. Well, I I made sure to... I didn't want to... You know, I don't, here's the thing, man. If, if, if you're familiar with the stuff that I write, there's always like a gotcha at the end. Right. Because I'm still, I'm still stuck in some sort of like, you know, ninth grade creative writing class or something. I mean, and so it's like... I didn't want to do that to this. I wanted it to have a soft resolution, not such a, you know, hard in your face resolution. And so I left it with the guy in my head 
he was walking home at the end. He left the party. And in the last song, he's walking home and he decides to paint in the train yard. And you don't know what happens at the end. There, there could have been some, some flashlights and he looked up and seen them. And then the movie just ends. And so were they police? What, 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 what was coming? Did he run? Did something bad happen? It doesn't matter. And to me, that's kind of how some of those movies were. You know what I'm mm. saying? It's like, it's this thing. It's like when you're dealing with a, some sort of dystopian concept, the, the end is not even the climax. That, or not, uh, sorry, but not the climax. But the end is not the resolution. It's dystopia. There's no resolution. You, you feel me? It's like the, the, the guts of the movie, the fact that these people in the face of uh, a oppressive state still are finding the time to kick it, party, make out, get fucked up, make art, and basically celebrate life or even celebrate the, 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 this, this, this weird little renaissance. That is the story. And so whether one of them goes to jail or whether one of them uh, dies at the end or none of that is the story. The story is the actual, the party, you know? So this, this story, like when you get to um, bars, or I'm sorry, when you get to blotter acid reflux, reflux syndrome, yeah. yeah, that is the that is the end of the movie, basically. Or not, I won't say the end of the movie, but that is the movie. That's kind of like why we released that song first, too, was to go, hey, be prepared, because this is not going to be a regular-ass atmosphere album. So we released that as like the only single uh, previously to the album and, and to kind of put focus on that so that when the album comes, when you get to that song, it's like almost like, you get to breathe for a second because you've already become familiar with that. And obviously I'm speaking about like the overzealous atmosphere fan. Um, when, when that person got to bars in my mind, that's where they were like, okay, whew, so I can understand this one because I've already heard this one. I've already had the time mm. to uh, absor absorb this one, you know, because I really knew that people were going to hear this album and it was going to be polarizing. You're either going to be like, fuck this shit, this shit sucks. Or you're going to be like, whoa, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't really think it's the kind of album that's like, oh, yeah, I put this one between this and this. Or You know what I mean? It was just, I really felt like this was going to turn people off or make people happy. I didn't think there was going to be many people being like, yeah, it was all right. No in between. I was hoping not. Like, I, 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 was, I was not looking for an in-between on this one. I mean, are we, are you, are you ever though? Do we ever look for an in-between? Exactly. You know, you always, you want a response. You know what I'm saying? So I either want you to like bust a nut or I want you to <laughs> puke. You know what I'm saying? It's like. No half measures. No half stepping. I'm pushing up on 50 here and I've got a handful of kids and um, I do think people with, with children can relate to what I'm about to say, but you watch your kid and you watch 
I mean, I have a three-year-old that's better at maneuvering my iPhone than I am. And so you, you understand how um, adaptive children are with technology or really with anything. They're born into it. So they didn't have to learn it. It was there already. And they just, it was like anything else, you know, uh, uh, for, for, for you and me, it might, you know, it was like a, the, the hammer or in the rock but for these kids it's like it's 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 the computer my, you know my my 11 year old is he he can fix my laptop for me I'm like what's wrong with my laptop do i got to get a new laptop i think it's broken and he's just like oh no you just got to hold this button down and do this at the same time and now blah blah and i'm just like oh bro okay thanks you know i have anxiety about technology and about you know, I'm from that school of of conspiracy where we think that people are trying to put microchips inside of our bodies or you're going to get a tattoo with a barcode on it. You know what I mean? I, I'm from that school of thought still where I feel like uh, the oppressor is going to use technology to control us. And I mean, I think that those anxieties are valid because, I mean, they didn't have to put the microchip in our body. They just put it in our pocket. We, we all carry that mm. fucking phone around with us. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and so when I, when I think about all that, it's like all the stuff that in the eighties I was trained to be worried about happening. It all happened, but it, it was so covert and sneaky in the eighties. We thought it was going to be in your face. We, we thought everywhere you look, you're going to see cameras. Well, check it out. There's cameras everywhere. But we just don't notice them because they hid them. They figured out how to place them everywhere. But we're we're constantly under surveillance. You're constantly being listened to. You are being watched. Uh, you're being watched by your own television. You feel me? And it's like, it's like we welcomed it. I bought that big ass TV because I wanted it. I, I welcomed it into my house. I got I got the the new model of the phone in my pocket. I welcomed it. And it's tracing every move I make and it's constantly listening to me. It's hearing me talk to you right now. Like when we're done talking, there's going to be an ad in my email for something that may have gotten referenced during our conversation. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and we welcomed it. But when I was a kid, we were against it. And so the revolution came and went and we didn't even notice. And so now it's kind of on us to make sure that we'll, we play our side of it. What, what do we do to, how do we respond to this? What do we do? You know what I'm saying? It's, and I don't know the answers to that. Don't get me twisted. I'm not trying to get super deep here. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I, but when I was a kid, you know, brother Jay from X clan and Chuck D and Karis one, these people had me convinced that the revolution was about to happen tomorrow. And then it didn't, right. It just kind of like, we, we all started kicking it at the barbecue with Dre and, but it did happen. It's just that they snuck it. They, we, we didn't see it happen. We didn't notice it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's here, though. And that's the anxiety that went into this album. The technology, the surveillance, uh, and then regular-ass anxieties that humans have. Like, does, do, do people like me? Am, am I acceptable? Am I worthy? Am I, I don't know, am I attractive? Or uh, can, can I jump high enough or, or, or are my rhymes good enough? Or, you know what I'm saying? So it's just regular ass human anxieties mixed with these other anxieties that are created by our situations or our surroundings. You know what I'm saying? And I don't tend to put all that kind of stuff in my music because I'm 
I tend to write about the human condition. This was a little different because I felt like I'm writing about not just the human condition, but I'm also writing about this AI condition, this artificial life kind of a thing. And in my head, I had this dystopian cinematic kind of fucking film going the whole time, you know, and that's, that's kind of where I got to draw from to try to fill in the blanks. I mean, someday maybe somebody's going to come up to me and be like, dude, I totally saw it. I got it. You know, uh, I see why you ended with sleep apnea because that was the landing of the plane, but did the plane land or did it crash? Right. Like that's up to you. That's up to you. You, you get to, you get to decide if the plane landed or if it crashed. There's a line on your album and I love, uh, where you say you're trying to use my soul as a weapon. I stole it back and took a selfie of my own reflection. Can you speak to the energy of that lyric specifically? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a reference to the concept of, again, technology, right? Because right. there was a time when there was no such thing as the camera. And then the camera slowly traveled around the world. And as it did, and as it entered certain, even like indigenous societies, there was, or at least there, there was the thought that some people were like, no, don't take my picture because you that steals my soul. And I don't, I have never met a person that actually believed that. I guarantee you that I pulled or I drew that stereotypical concept from watching television as a kid, right? But so the idea of taking your picture is stealing your soul. Well, with uh, the fact that we now all have digital cameras in our pockets, and I'm, you know, obviously speaking to the idea of my soul. Uh, the industry wants your soul. The devil wants your soul. Somebody wants your soul. That's that's the, the world. The universe is at war right now. Good versus evil for your camera soul. Thief. Literally right right now. Camera thief. Take pictures. Um, uh, the, the world is the world is at war right yeah. now for your soul today. Currently, while we talk on this phone good versus evil is occurring and it's all to get your soul but we it's not what you think it's not angels versus demons in this big battle it's 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 all technology and money and you know the food supply <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like but it, but at the end of the day it's still all about who owns your soul so i stole my soul back when i took a, a selfie you know what I mean? It's 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 a play on yeah. words. Uh, it's an opportunity to take an old kind of trite, stereotypical kind of bumper sticker about the camera stealing your soul, but flipping it on itself and using using the sword of bad, using the, the evil sword, taking the sword of evil and using it against them, using it against evil. You know what I'm saying? Because the camera was the tool of the soul stealer. And I just used that same camera to steal my soul back from the soul stealer, the soul, soul stealer, you know, you know, they, they say, uh, no weapons forged against us shall prosper. I'll take your sword from you and use it against you. Just imagine being killed with your own sword, you know, once again, it all, I don't want to give you a reason to speak. The path of least resistance is belief. You don't see me. I remember when I used to run around with you freaks. Even tried to teach a few of y'all to read the graffiti. Once again, it all. You don't need to give me a reason to live. 
Talk to me about what it's like being a rapper today with the scenario around COVID and navigating this quote-unquote new normal life and, of course, touring being on hold. How does it feel today to rap with these new circumstances? Well, there's a certain desperation that I think we're going to hear in a lot of music, not just rap. But, you know, I feel like, and and I don't know that I would necessarily blame COVID. I would say there's a lot that has led and built up to it. You know, you have um, certain regimes around the world that have been controlling things for so long. And it seems like due to technology, again, uh, more and more people are picking sides, actually. You know, you for a long time, I'd say for the last, let's say, 50 years, uh, People haven't had to pick sides, not, not, you know, not in a worldwide global way. You know what I'm saying? Like when was the last time the world was like, yo, I'm picking sides right now. Uh, so when you look at that, what we're going into this era of people deciding, even nations and governments deciding where they stand with things like climate change and, uh, uh, technology, um, you know, big tech people are, deciding that they want to fucking take Facebook to war or something. You know what I'm saying? It's like you have a a lot moving, a lot of moving parts of people feeling as if they're on a side, a team. They're not just in the middle anymore, just kind of trying to live their own life and pay their bills. People are being forced to pick sides. And I feel like that's going to trickle in. Maybe I shouldn't say trickle, but I think that's going to flush its way into art in general in a way that is going to, you're going to hear more and see more desperation in the art that starts coming out. And I also think that, and and I've been talking this shit for a while, but I think that we are on the verge of a Renaissance. It may be already in swing. I don't know because I'm no historian. I don't, I don't know enough, but you know, when you have such a drastic difference between the haves and the have nots, knowing that the have nots tend to, um, fuel art the have nots tend to fuel where music and art comes from and what it is and then the haves tend to uh, claim it or join it as a tourist or try, try to enjoy it or buy it or own it i'm gonna own this beatles catalog or whatever you know what i'm saying it's like the separations the side picking all that kind of stuff I mean, it all plays into the, the other shit I was talking about with the good versus evil. But uh, I think that music with a message, let's just say, is going to um, become overwhelming. You know, we've gone through a, a period of time here where a lot of a lot of music, you know, has not necessarily carried the same message that is being screamed by the people who created that music. And I think that we're going to start to see that change or if even we're going to be more um, conscious and and aware and acknowledge that even when the song doesn't have a message maybe that artist is still driving a message but using that song just to hook you in so that artist can solidify and and, and reinforce the message to you you know because oftentimes people be like well don't you like party music and I'm like, yeah, but party music is a message. Like that's still part of the have-nots, letting you know that 
just because you don't have doesn't mean that you can't love yourself and celebrate your life. You know what I mean? It's like even oftentimes people would draw lines between in here. Let's get like super insular with it. But like people would draw lines with conscious rap versus, you know, gangster rap versus, uh, uh, you know, dance rap or whatever. And I'm like, man, it's all conscious rap. Mm. It's all gangster rap to me. It's all it's all rap man it don't matter like you can't you can't you can't put dotted lines between the branches of the same it's all branches from the same tree how are you gonna cut it up and and, and try to like draw these dotted lines between it all when truth be told this is all this all comes from a place of making something out of nothing and showing each other that you can do it too and so i think that it's going to become more obvious and more and more people are going to be aware. And, and, and maybe that's just the, like uh, some optimism or some dumb shit, or maybe it's just, maybe I'm projecting. That's what I hope is going to happen. That That's really what I'm doing. Cause I don't know what the hell is going to happen. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know where, where anything's going. And I don't even know if this answers your question. No, it does. I agree. <laughs> but, I agree. Okay. 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 But, but I, 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 I feel like, I feel like that there's there's a shift happening and I feel like there's also, you know, they also try to separate uh, you know, you see you see like younger artists and older artists separating themselves from each other. And I feel like I'm starting to see a shift there too where that's happening less and less as well. You know, I remember 5 years ago or so people would draw a line between a Drake and a Jay-Z like, Oh, Jay-Z, he's the old guy. Drake is the new guy, whatever, whatever. But it's like, ah, now we realize they're the same guy. They're the, they're part of this. They're the same tree. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if there's no, and I feel like we're, we're, we're going to see more and more of that happen. And I think a big part of that is just that this culture has, has grown. It's old. It's been around now for a long time. You feel me? It's been around for fucking 50 years. Remember, Kara said 50 years down the line, we could start this because we'll be the old school artists. And it's like, okay, here we are. We're 50 years down the line. And um, there's no need to, to... Now the separation should no longer be like, yo, are you a conscious rapper or a gangster rapper? But the separation can actually be like, yo, like, how do you, how does this make you feel? How does this song make you feel? You know, when you're in the mood to feel like this, play this. When you're in the mood to feel like this, you play this. Me and you, we've been doing that. We've been doing that our whole life. And so I feel like that the, the culture is 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 finally showing the rest of the world that that's, that's how it is. That's how it could be. Yeah, and I, I ask this question a lot to artists, and I'm going to ask yourself the same question. How do you think the work coming out today has encouraged you to engage in discourse on the experience of being a human understanding older concepts and producing new meanings how much of the new music you're hearing in hip-hop has that impact and effect on you mm. it's an interesting question because um to answer it you know you gotta basically first ask yourself like well how in touch am i with new hip-hop that's coming out like what actually gets on my radar versus what never hits my radar because there is so much music that never even makes it onto my radar like i would look at the you know pre-covid i would look at the the lineup for like rolling loud and i would only recognize like a fraction of the names on the bill and so it's like yo there is 
a multitude of artists out here doing it and people are feeling them, which you got to remember, that's, that's the main objective here is to give people something they can feel. So there's a bunch of artists out here that people are really feeling and I don't even know they exist. And, you know, give me a little bit more time in the day and I'll sit down and spend an hour Googling and listening and peeping and, 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 and whatever, you know, but then you also, here I am in my world with, you know, uh, I have a job plus a couple of side hustles, plus a gang of kids, plus, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, so I don't even have the time that it would take to really go and explore SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Tidal to really see who all these artists are. But, you know, that's the beauty. Back in the day, you had to buy the tapes. At least now, I don't have to go out and buy all that shit. I can just, I can, you know, when I'm in the car, I'll go find whatever, like, the 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 like uh, the rap caviar playlist or some shit like that and play right. it. You feel me? And then, and, and, and be like, oh, what is this? Oh, okay, I know what this is. That's Black Thought. I hear Black Thought's voice. But then who's, what's this? You know what I mean? And then look, and, oh, okay, okay, okay. And I would say this. So to, to, to actually answer your question is to say, how does the new stuff inform me? Most specifically, I would say that it it informs me of the walls that have been broken down. The art, the artistic risks that have been taken by others, because sometimes your own imagination can't even see what those risks are until somebody took that risk. You know, you find the risks you can take. You find the risks that scare you. And you try to take those. You find the ones that you can't imagine. But there's a whole nother batch of risks out there that you as an artist could never even imagine existed. And so when you hear somebody else take that risk and do it, and you're like, oh, this is a new artist I never heard of. But look what he's doing. I never even considered doing that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, to me, that's the main thing I would take away from most of the new art that I do get to experience in here is that, yo, like I'm, it's showing me some of the ceilings that I didn't realize were there or also some of the ceilings that have been broken through that I didn't even realize. Yo, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to kids break through ceilings that I didn't even know existed. You know what I'm saying? And that's inspiring because I feel like that. Okay. When I, I'm a, I'm a, I collect vinyl. And so, you know, most, you know, most of my favorite vinyl comes from the seventies and the eighties, right? Uh, uh, late, late seventies and early eighties, um, is like probably my favorite era of music outside of hip hop. And I feel like that's what was going on then because you had, um, you had the start of punk rock and you also already had this, this stuff that they were calling post-punk. You had funk and funk had morphed into disco when, uh, when, when, when some of the clubs, wanted something that was like like funk but that you could dance to feel me and, and, and you know and so disco brought in a whole a, a whole batch of creatives that helped kind of create house music you know what i'm saying it's just like you see the lines and i'm not i, I don't mean to say because i'm not a historian i'm not saying disco is where house music came from but i'm just saying in my world and in my head when i listen to this stuff and i'm going oh my god man people were just pushing these things in so many different directions but it was all soul all of it comes from soul all of it, uh, even even what would you, I guess, what you would call classic rock or rock in the seventies, you know. So, so you got your rock, your punk rock, your post punk, your new wave, your fucking dark wave, 
but that was on the more, I guess, white side of shit. And then on the black side, you had, you know, funk, you had disco. You, it was turning into house, which which also, you know, they informed techno. You know, all of this stuff. Why, why do we not see how hip hop is doing that? How hip hop, how hip hop is informed and created all of these other genres of music. And you hear it in, you know, I mean, fuck dude, I love the Sleaford mods, right? And it's hip hop, but it's also this other thing, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then you got over, you know, here, or also you guys got King Cruel, which isn't hip hop, but it's this thing. And then, bro, you guys are actually murdering hip hop right now. Like, like Lil Sims and like some of these artists are so fucking good to yeah, me, man. dude. Like straight up, dude. Like I, I really kind of, you know what? I, 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 I forgot that I wanted to mention this earlier, like before I even got on the phone with you, I was like, make sure you fucking say something about how the UK is really fucking grabbing the steering wheel right now. And I think a lot of the U S has no fucking idea yet, but I feel like when they do, it's going to slap us in the face and make us be like, yo, we got to step up our shit. Cause you guys are fucking stepping up. You, you guys stepped your shit up. Like specifically for me as a guy who grew up listening to the, the golden era of New York rap, um, something happened where it feels like okay you guys when when grime started popping off there i was super into these rappers because they were fucking rapping super fast and saying just great shit and right now there's this there's this wave of what i would say is like post grime just hard hitting rap just lyrical fucking rap and and you guys are owning it right now the kingdom's on fire, the blood of a young messiah I see sinners in a church, I see sinners in a church Sometimes I might be introvert, there's a war inside I hear battle cries, mothers burying sons Young boys playing with guns, the devil's a liar Fulfill your wildest desires Now I don't want to be the one to doctor this But if you can't feel pain, then you can't feel the opposite The fight between the yin and yang's a fight you'll never win I study humans, that makes me an anthropologist what you guys got going on right now is super inspiring. And so I'm just going to use that to, to, to bounce back into what I'm talking about, which is there's um, so many versions of what Cool Herc fucking did that it's, to me, similar to my favorite era of vinyl, where I'm listening to so many different versions of black music and all of them are just people breaking through ceilings people being creative yes there was there was record labels behind it and there was money behind it and it was fucking evil and and yes industry is always always anti-human but the humans that were involved in making this shit happen the creatives that were involved there's no way they could have known how fucking beautiful this was they're speaking languages that aren't even of this fucking planet you know what i'm saying like I, I i do believe music is a language obviously and i think it was a i i don't think it's earthly you know what i'm saying because i i you know i the, the only fucking the only creatures that got it are humans and the birds man and, and obviously neither of us are from earth right now we're in an era where in 20 years i'm gonna look back on this era and be like whoo that vinyl is good just like right now i can look at fucking uh 1987 to 1993 and go woof the fucking vinyl is good on the rap shit yeah. or i can look at fucking 1975 to 1983 and and look at what was just uh specifically um new york los angeles and london 
uh, not to diss everywhere else, but specifically the, oh, in Detroit, uh, specific and Chicago. Okay, okay. Uh, the shit that I have on vinyl that were from those cities from that fucking era is so fucking all over the fucking map. Are you fucking kidding me? There was only two scenes where I live during those years. You had a funk scene and you had a, a rock scene. A, 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 I guess you would call it a pre-punk rock scene. I don't fucking know. A, a punk rock. I don't, I don't know what to call it. But like, Makes man. Sense. Yeah. But, 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 but you would go to Chicago and there's fucking 30 scenes, bro. You go to New York and there's 30 scenes. You go to Detroit and there's 30 scenes. You know, they gave birth to some aliens that changed the world for me, you know? Ah, but I got to remember that when I speak, I'm speaking from my perspective. And, I, and sometimes listeners don't, they're just not nerds. They're just not n- nerds like me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I'm speaking from my perspective, which is that of a guy that's still on the hunt to try and find a fucking profile single that I, you know, it, it's like, uh, and, and so I don't know, but what, what, when I think about it, I just, I think, okay, look, P-Funk, motherfucking uh, house music, um, uh, uh, um, I mean, hip hop, obviously, but even that, like when we're talking about, um, those years of the eighties, even my favorite hip hop, even though I love 1989 to death, I love everything about that year, but my favorite hip hop in the world is if you put on a fucking record from 1983, like that's the one that just, it talks to me without me having to decipher and break down the lyrics. I don't care about the fucking lyrics. I don't care it's the, the the music is speaking to me because of what am i hearing i'm hearing a little bit of disco in there i'm hearing a little bit of funk i'm hearing a little bit of uh uh fucking um electro you know what i'm saying it's like it's giving me the things that and i know you know as i get older i know that those are my um those are my beginnings those are my stepping stones it's pre-run dmc like i always would say well run dmc is when i realized that this was not my father's music this music was for me because they were yelling at me you know what i'm saying yeah. it's like, but my actual place the place that my happy place is actually pre-run dmc it's it's fucking 1983 and it's a little bit electro and it's a little bit disco and it's a little post-punk and it's it's probably honestly the shit that my parents were playing you know and Ant comes from the same school i listen to this project and i hear craft work and its influence that's undeniable Mm, yes definitely shit uh there's a song on there that's that basically is a fucking egyptian lover song dude the 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 future is disgusting so it's crazy too because like i just uh you know i follow that dude on ig and he just recently announced like this this uh the seven inch box that he was putting up and i couldn't find a place to order it so i just was like ah let me just send him a message on ig to see if he would respond and I was like, Hey, uh, where can I buy that? And he immediately was like, Oh, you can get it here. And I was like, yo, Hey, by the way, huge fan, you're super big influence, whatever, whatever. But it's like, Whoa, I got to tell this guy. I don't think I ever, ever, ever thought that I would have the opportunity to tell Egyptian lover that I'm a fucking fan, that I'm a fanboy. You know what I'm saying? Like, who, I, cause I was never going to be like, I wasn't going to bump into him and it, it fucking Trader Joe's in Los Angeles. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. uh, but 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 I just, you know, had the opportunity to do that because of technology, the same shit that yeah. I'm scared of. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. go yeah. fucking figure. Yeah. yeah. Double-edged blade, right? Double-edged blade. Double-edged blade. You recently celebrated the 20th anniversary of Lucy Ford last February. What's your relationship with Lucy Ford now after 20 years? Mm. 
That's an interesting one because I actually just recently had to re-listen to it uh, because they they uh, yeah I, it, it was making the rounds here with the with the guys at the label and me and Anthony and everybody was like oh let me go and revisit it and so I I went and revisited it and man it's a hard one for me to listen to I'm not gonna front uh, like Where is that? well because of I guess I guess because of it's a technical thing. Um, right. Though you know, Anthony has always given me the room to basically produce my own lyrics. You know, he's never been like, "No, say it like this," or "No, don't do that." Nowadays, actually, more often he'll be like, "Yo, I don't think you should do that." You know, but back then, he didn't say shit to me. He just let me do whatever I wanted. And 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 listening to Lucy Ford is. Uh, it's an indicator that maybe he shouldn't have let me. Maybe there's times where he should have been like, hey, you realize when you stack the chorus that many times, it starts to get real messy. Or, hey, you realize when you're doing those overdubs, you know, you're not red man. You're not very good at overdubs. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm. there's certain things that I hear on that where I'm just like, holy shit. And it's all technical stuff, right? It's not about the writing. I'm fine with the writing. And there's a few songs that are actually bangers to me, like Tears for the Sheep. I love that fucking song. It just drives it drives me nuts how how much I really like that song. But then you got other ones like uh, Between the Lines, where I'm like, man, this could have been a great recording if I would have fucking fell back a little bit and and just not overdid it. I just I overcooked everything, bro. Like I I was just like, oh oh, how many tracks can I use? Oh oh, I I can have you know eight tracks. So my, to me, for vocals, oh, I'm going to use all eight, you know, and it's just like, I don't know, man. I, I I wish that I wish I could remix that album and actually just delete a lot of fucking vocal tracks, <laughs> you know, and just keep it the meat and potatoes. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy because yeah. nowadays I'm far more meat and potatoes now because that record was made before we had access to Pro Tools. We were doing shit on the ADAT. So th that record was made on 16 tracks. Ant gets an ADAT to himself, and I get an ADAT to myself. Each ADAT had eight digital tracks. And so, you know, doing punch-ins and all that kind of shit, you couldn't do that shit. Or, I mean, I guess you could if you if you owned your own studio. You know, we were paying 50 bucks an hour to go record somewhere. Like, that shit, we couldn't afford to be sitting in there trying to, like, tweak stuff and make shit perfect. So instead of me being just developing my my rapping and getting better i would cover up the flaws with fucking stacks and overdubs and shit like that and now in hindsight i know yeah that's not the way to do it just fucking just learn how to rap better bro you know i'm a far better rapper today than i was back then technically but i also know when people say nah i like your old shit better i i, I understand them and i know why they do because they're hearing something that isn't even like about development they're hearing something you can't develop they're hearing hunger they're hearing the voice of somebody who is scared that he's not going to be able to afford child support they're hearing the voice of somebody who's afraid and desperate that they're going to end up you know working in a factory because they didn't go to college and because they had a kid and because they because that's what life does to you is that it, it makes you work in a fucking factory when you have a kid at a young age and you didn't go to college you know what i'm saying and so it's like they're hearing the voice of somebody who's fucking broke and hungry and, you know, sleeping on a fucking couch. And so 
there's no way to recreate that. I mean, I'm never going back to that shit. I'm not sleeping on no fucking couch ever again. My back can't take it. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I can't, I can't capture that. So what do I do? I make up for it by just fucking learning how to like technically rap better as a, as a, just as a technical rapper. Head, pressure, senses, clutch, date, divinity, wouldn't, fuck, touched, hazy, God, change, rush, floor, life, veins, head, pressure, senses, clutch, date, divinity, wouldn't, fuck, touched, hazy, God, change, rush, floor, life. From a head full of pressure, rest the senses that I clutched Made a date with divinity, but she wouldn't let me fuck I got touched by a hazy shade of God, help me change Caught a rush on the floor from the life in my veins From a head full of pressure, rest the senses that I clutched Made a date with divinity, but she wouldn't let me fuck I got touched by a hazy shade of God, help me change But what about God's bathroom floor, which goes even further back 25 years this year That song Oh <sighs> That's another one where when I listen to the actual recording of it, I won't say I cringe because that was before I started doing too many overdubs. Like if you listen to God's Bathroom Floor, that was made on a four track. So I only have three vocals. I only have three tracks on that. Uh, so there's, there's not a lot of room for me to overproduce it with only three tracks. And I think that if right. you asked Anthony, hey, what happened between Overcast and Seven's Travels, Ant will say, oh, well, Slug got more tracks. And so shit just started to get messier and messier. You know, and I, and I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm grown up enough to admit that that happened. But like Overcast is very straightforward. Uh, it's very straightforward rapping. Um, it's technically, it's okay. It's pretty good. It's a little overdone. Maybe too many songs in Overcast. If we would have held it down to like just the 14 best songs that record w would likely be super good but we thought it was going to be the last time we ever got to make an album you know and so we were like fucking yeah. put everything on there you know then when we got to lucy ford it was like okay i get to make another album so now i'm gonna try to make it better by multi-tracking and using these tracks to overemphasize emotion or overemphasize uh you know words hit words harder instead of just you know making sure that when i rap i hit those words harder you know it is it's it, but again that all comes down to technical shit as far as the actual writing on both those albums like i stand next to the writing on both those albums specifically because they it, it fully represents who i was in that moment you know what i'm saying if i put if i put either any of them older records on man it reminds me of a lot more than just making the song it like it reminds me of that year that year in my life you know what i'm saying which is good because as things became faster and bigger and and and, and busier for us you know i i dealt with a lot of the growing pains by drinking and, and smoking weed and so i i need those albums to remind me of what those years were like because sometimes it's hard to just access them on my own those memories we're talking about time capsules, aren't we? We're talking about time capsules. In a way, because I, I've been uh, fortunate enough to, to be allowed by my all my bosses to um, make music about my life, you know, to write about what's in front of me. Uh, and even when I am writing uh, 
in 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 in, in metaphor or or writing uh, you know anecdote or, or anecdotally or, or or writing these these other things, I'm still drawing from my experiences to inform those things. And so, with that said, I you know I've never been that good at sci-fi rap. In fact, this Halloween album might be the first time I actually wrote some sci-fi rap. You know what I'm saying? And 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 when I say sci-fi, I don't even mean you know aliens and and uh, and 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 you know that kind of you know space or you know actual science. But I just mean like uh, I've never been that good at at, at writing about like uh, let me write a song like if I was a tree. I'm a tree now. Okay, I'm gonna rap like I'm a tree. I don't know how to do that shit. I'm not a fucking tree. You know what I'm saying? It's like I I I, I a lot of my writing has to come directly from what it's like to have the experience I had. You know, it's, it's interesting. We got an album called Lemons where I tell lots of stories. And when I look back at that album, the regrettable ones are the ones where I tell them from the perspective of a woman. Because I'm like, yo, who the fuck did I think I was to try to write a song from the perspective of a woman? Like, what is that shit? Like, why would I do that? I'm not a woman. And, 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 and what gave me the agency to try to attack that instead of just like, you know, falling back and letting a woman tell that story or, or just fall back and tell the story of the woman but from my perspective you know what i'm saying right. it's like you learn as you go though bro you know what i mean like it's like all these things i learn now and i apply them to what i do now you know i want to thank you for being as transparent as you have been throughout your career and every contribution and album for the past over 22 years now thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute history lesson and blessing talking about this new album and albums beyond of course Hey, I, I appreciate you and everything that you have been doing. You've been doing this for, I think you've been doing this for longer than me, right? Like you've been doing this for a long time, man. And so, and so, and so I, I, I appreciate it, man. And, and the fact that you even wanted to talk to me, that's, that's an honor. Uh, it's, it's, and, and a blessing and thank you. Don't really matter how much you got now. Don't really matter now. So locked if the cops don't knock now Leveling up, but it's never enough And here you come, with your nose turned up With your head in the clouds, like you're better than us Don't really matter how much you got now Leveling up, but it's never enough it's the return of the Mac now. Got that prodigy playing in the background. Never break ribs, always break bread. Happy y'all fake. I wish I could show my appreciation for this podcast. I wish I could respond to it somehow or be notified in the future when Fly Fidelity updates because it's so great. But I don't think there's a way I can do any of those things. Uh oh. You're wrong. <laughs> Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My peoples, are you with me where you at?